Hi, I'm Drew Beebe, the host of a new podcast from CNN called Great Big Story. It's a show about the curious side of the human experience. And I know that sounds like a lofty idea, but hear me out. Over the course of this show, we'll talk to some of the most interesting people you've ever met, from brilliant code breakers to a couple building their own artificial island. If you're itching for a good story and you're curious like I am, well, I think you might like this show. Give us a listen wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Good evening. Tonight, new impeachment testimony that puts President Trump directly, hands-on, and moment-to-moment at the center of a scheme to squeeze Ukraine into dirtying up an American political rival. A first-hand account that provides further evidence that President Trump didn't really care about corruption in general or Ukraine's well-being nor U.S. policy in the region. What he cared about, according to the new testimony, was investigating the Bidens. The testimony is from David Holmes, a staffer and experienced diplomat serving at the U.S. Embassy in Kiev. In his opening statement, he describes a phone call the president's European Union ambassador, Gordon Sundland, made in front of him to the president on the 26th of July. This is the day after the president's call asking Ukraine's president to investigate a conspiracy theory about the 2016 election, one letting Russia off the hook, and to investigate the Bidens. Sundland places the call in front of Holmes and others on an apparently unsecure personal cell phone at an outdoor table in a Kiev restaurant. The president, he says, was talking loudly enough to be overheard at times. And I'm quoting now from Holmes's testimony, quote, I heard Ambassador Sunland greet the president, explain that he was calling from Kiev. I heard President Trump then clarify that the ambassador was in Ukraine. Ambassador Sunland replied, yes, he was in Ukraine and went on to state that President Zelensky loves your ass. I then heard President Trump ask, so he's going to do the investigation? Ambassador Sunland replied that he's going to do it, adding that President Zelensky will do anything you ask him to. The call ends. Holmes continues. I asked Ambassador Sondland if it was true the president did not give a S about Ukraine. Ambassador Sondland agreed that the president did not give an S about Ukraine. I asked why not, and Ambassador Sondland stated that the president only cares about big stuff. I noted there was big stuff going on in Ukraine, like a war with Russia, and Ambassador Sondland replied that he meant big stuff that benefits the president, like the Biden investigation that Mr. Giuliani was pushing, end quote. Holmes's testimony came immediately after former Ukraine ambassador Marie Yovanovitch spent hours today testifying before the Intelligence Committee. If our chief representative is kneecapped, it limits our effectiveness to safeguard the vital national security interests of the United States. Our Ukraine policy has been thrown into disarray, and shady interests the world, the world over have learned how little it takes to remove an American ambassador who does not give them what they want. She described efforts by Rudy Giuliani and others, including the president, to smear her, which the president did actually again today, tweeting about her as she was testifying. She called it intimidating. Democrats called it witness intimidation. And as that was unfolding, a federal jury convicted Trump associate and dirty trickster Roger Stone of seven counts, including lying to the Intelligence Committee and witness intimidation. Gordon Sundland goes before the committee next week. He's already testified once behind closed doors and had to then correct his testimony after his memory returned to him after other witnesses contradicted evidence he had already given under oath. Quite a day, and it's been quite a week. CNN's Phil Mattingly starts us off tonight. So explain what else Holmes had to say in his testimony today. 
Yeah, Anderson, it's worth noting, David Holmes, political counselor at the U.S. Embassy in Ukraine, and this is a detailed 10-page statement we obtained that goes through a number of things, not just that explosive meeting William Taylor first testified about on Wednesday, but also details about his concerns and the concerns of others in his office about the withholding of U.S. security aid, including the possibility that John Bolton thought a meeting with Trump and making President Trump happy was the only way it could be released. But he also goes into detail about some of the issues they were facing that you heard a lot about today from Marie Ivanovich. And that is specifically related to Rudy Giuliani, the president's personal attorney. At one point in his testimony, he says, quote, someone wondered aloud why Mr. Giuliani was so active in the media with respect to Ukraine. My recollection is, is that Ambassador Sondland stated, damn it, Rudy, every time Rudy gets involved, he goes and Fs everything up. It's something that you're going to hear a lot next week when Ambassador Gordon Sondland testifies. But it also underscores in this very detailed and I would argue in many cases, very damning testimony in this opening statement. Statement, uh, from uh, David Holmes that the details here work against the president in many ways and is certainly something that is going to be the focal point of the Democrats' investigation and the ongoing impeachment inquiry, Anderson. Um, president Trump was asked about this conversation earlier in the week. I- explain what he said. Yeah. Yeah, he was asked during a press conference with the Turkish president whether or not he knew anything about the call. And well, take a listen. I know nothing about that. First time I've heard it. The one thing I've seen that Sondland said was that uh, he did speak to me for a brief moment, and I said no quid pro quo under any circumstances, and that's true. The other, I've never heard this. In any event, it's more secondhand information, but I've never heard it. Do you recall having a conversation with I don't recall. No, not at all. Not even a little bit. Uh, The only thing, uh, and I guess uh, Sondland had stayed with his testimony, that there was no quid pro quo, pure and simple. Now, Anderson, the president's referencing two different calls there, a call that he made or that he had with Ambassador Gordon Sondland, where Sondland testified there was no quid pro quo, and this July 26 phone call, which David Holmes is testifying about as we speak right now, just below me, where he talks about this conversation. Here's where this runs into issues for the president. Not only was David Holmes in attendance when this call took place, and he t- testifies in detail that he has a very clear rec- recollection of hearing what the president had to say. He also testifies there were two other individuals besides the U.S. ambassador to the EU, Gordon Sondland, at that table, who also heard the call. Here's where else this becomes problematic. Gordon Sondland testifies next week, on Wednesday, alone in front of the House Intelligence Committee. As you noted, he had to amend his testimony once. There's questions from members of both parties as to whether he was truthful or there are any issues that he left out. He certainly did not mention this call. You can believe he is going to be asked about this call, and whether or not the president's recollection of things tracks with his will certainly be something to watch, Anderson. Yeah, we'll see if his memory has returned on this one, too. Uh, Phil Maddenley, thanks very much. I want to bring in the legal and political team. John Dean is with us. Um, Ellie Honig, Dana Bash, Gloria Borger, David Gergen, Kirsten Powers, Rick Santorum. Also joining us is Azra Zaya. So, um, Gloria, I mean, uh, we thought that Yovanovitch was kind of going to be the lead story, and then uh, David Holmes's testimony came about. What do you make of at the end of this day? I think it's very important. I think uh, what David Holmes' testimony does is confirm that what the president did the day before on his phone conversation with the president of Ukraine was a clear ask, a saying, you, you got to do this for us after the, you know, I'd like you to do us a favor, though. He follows up in this phone conversation and says, so he's going to do the investigation? The investigation is not just about corruption. It's very clear the investigation is about the Bidens. And when asked about it at lunch, 
Sondland offers it very clearly. The president doesn't really care about Ukraine. What he cares about is investigating the Bidens. So it's more of the same. It corroborates uh, what people knew, but emphasizes it because the president himself is asking it, okay, what about the investigation? And the fact that it is the very next day. Exactly. And we've been so focused on this phone call, the do me a favor, though, phone call, the fact that the next day, the, one of the people that the president was referring to was already in a meeting where they, according to this testimony, didn't let any staff in, where, where uh, Sondland met with the Ukrainian president mm. and then wanted to report back right afterwards to the president. I mean, it, it, it's really remarkable how and, much of a, of a line there is. And by the way, Sondland is the ambassador of the European Union. Which has nothing to do with right, Ukraine. So I don't even know sure what he's even doing in this restaurant in um, Kiev. A million dollars to the... <laughs> well, no, I mean, I know that, yeah, but no, like... No, they want to get into no, it. I mean, that's the, it's not like there's not anything the, going on in the European Union that he could focus no, on. No, but, but that's the key. I mean, this, he... he, he we don't know the, the genesis of Sondland being a part of this, but we'll, we'll learn it next week, uh, along with a lot of other very, very important questions about, from his perspective, not just what, what went on the call, but what was his actual role in trying to execute what appears to be the president's desired. Uh, John Dina, it's also uh, extraordinary to hear Sondland's, uh, I mean, again, I don't know if this is Sondland's characterization of the president's opinion that he only cares about the big stuff, the big stuff not being a war that Ukraine is raging, waging against yeah. Russia, uh, but in fact, the big stuff is the Bidens and, you know, a the 26... Big, the big stuff conspiracy. now is he's big stuff. He's really going to be an important witness. I really have, cannot believe he's not spending this weekend with his attorneys. He's got the potential of perjury. We don't know if that happened, but it's certainly uh, a potential. High probability, Anderson, he'll go in and plead the fifth. And if they don't give him immunity, he won't testify. Mm. He might get immunity, and that's his get-out-of-jail-free car. I mean, uh, if you are uh, looking to throw somebody under the bus, Gordon Sunderland would be probably a, a prime candidate for, to be next in line to be thrown under the bus. Uh, I think he'll, the president will wait very patiently to see what he says, and then they'll decide to throw him under the bus. This has to be the worst day of the presidency so far for Donald Trump. You think so? Today? This is the worst day. You know, I thought after uh, Yovanovitch testified today in a very compelling way, that itself was a dramatic story. It injected a lot of drama into, into what these proceedings. And, you know, and I think it's so graphic what she said. It was really gripping. You know, there's a, a writer or two into the New York Times and I said he, it reminded him of the McCarthy hearings when Joseph Welch, the lawyer, looked at Roy Cohn and said, have you no decency, sir? And that's what you thought about Donald Trump tweeting and attacking that woman while she was on, while she was testifying and intimidating her and threatening her the way he has been. But on top of this, to have the blockbuster news about Holmes, it's not just that we learned from somebody with direct knowledge that the president was directing things. He was doing this most graphic way. The words here, the language. I think right. a lot he has, of people. According to Sunland, he doesn't give a shit about Ukraine. Yes. Uh, and, you know, Zelensky right. will, you know, loves his ass. I mean, right. right. I mean, it just sort of, sort of it rips the cover off and you look into this snake pit that we've been describing. You're forgetting uh, about the Roger Stone conviction. And the Roger well, Stone we'll, we'll, get, we'll, get to, we'll get to that. Yeah. There's a lot to get. Uh, Azra, you, uh, you served in the Foreign Service. You know Mr. Holmes. Uh, what is he like? I mean, who, who is he? Uh, I had the pleasure to work with David Holmes over uh, eight years in my Foreign Service career. We served together in India. We worked together in the State Department. Uh, in my opinion, he embodies the highest values of public service, honor, mm. 
integrity and nonpartisanship. Absolutely. Hmm. Does what happened today, I mean, as somebody who served in the Foreign Service, you heard, you know, the ambassador uh, Yovanovitch says that the State Department is being hollowed out from the inside. Do Do you see that? I mean, I've certainly witnessed that myself. You know, we've seen an exodus of some of the most experienced and talented diplomats uh, across the board. People like Linda Thomas-Greenfield, uh, Ann Patterson, uh, Joe Yoon, a list that goes uh, on and on, nearly every every region in the world. And Masha Ivanovich, I think it's very important to point out, is still a Foreign Service officer, and she really does exemplify that incredible courage and commitment. Yeah. And, Which was uh, a point the Republicans were making today, that she's still employed, she's still receiving the same amount of money. Her career is effectively over in terms of getting a foreign posting as an ambassador. Well, I think she described the, the manner in which she was removed was, right. was something that was just an affront a to 33 years of uh, incredibly dedicated, selfless service. Senator Santorum, uh, what do you make of today's testimony? And also, uh, let's start, I guess, with, with Holmes' uh, mm-hmm. testimony. Uh, yeah, I... I Again, I feel like I'm in, a, in, a, in an echo chamber here. Every time I come on here, it's the worst day the president ever had. This is a horrific. I mean, this is the end of his presidency. And then that passes. And then another thing comes along. And this is the worst day. And this is the end of his presidency. Both the, reality, the reality is, David, that, that what Holmes said is absolutely consistent with what every Republican believes. Number one, the president cares most about himself. Every Republican, every American has already accepted the fact that, it, that no matter what, the president cares about himself more than everything else. No newsflash here. So when it comes to Ukraine, the fact that a, an issue that is more personal to him is the thing he cares about the most, that's a shock to anybody? Raise your hand. Seriously, raise but, your but hand. Your argument, that's a shock wait, 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 But your it's argument not. all along is that the president really cared about corruption in Ukraine. Exactly. But he does. But the most well, thing he doesn't he cares give a shit about Ukraine, thi- well, that's an why would he give— Whoa, whoa, whoa. A, a, that's an opinion that's not—he didn't overhear him <laughs> saying that. That's, okay. that's, that's Sunland right. saying that's, that's what he thinks. That is he's a donor and, to the and president. He's, and he's with a bunch of guys who he knows doesn't, probably is not a big fan of the president, what he's doing. And so th- that's a whole different thing. The reality is that what, what he overheard was the president asking a question that he admits. In fact, he went to the camera and said, yes, I care about that. Yes, I want this to be investigated. Here's the question. Is what he's asking... A, a, a criminal uh, offense it is what he's asking. Listen, it is perfectly licit for a president to ask for an investigation right. about this. Here's what There's I don't nothing understand. illegal here's about here's what, what the I don't president's understand, asking. Uh, you are saying the president doesn't care about Ukraine. He cares about himself first. I said he cares about himself more than everything Fine. else. Okay, I didn't so say he doesn't one, care about other things. Number one, he cares about himself. Yeah, that's not a surprise. So he, but he doesn't. If you're also claiming he cares about corruption in Ukraine, why does he care about corruption in Ukraine? It, clearly, if he cares about himself... The only thing Ukraine is on his radar for are the Bidens and this conspiracy. Well, look, I th- I, again, Gloria and I had a little conversation after after yesterday after after our meeting yesterday uh, the other day, and and Gloria said to me, "You give the president every benefit of the doubt," mm-hmm. and my response is, "I may." But you give him no benefit of the doubt. The reality no, is, but you just said he cares about himself more he than does, anything he else. He cares about himself. Well, that's right, true. Which period. is a great quality in a president. It's not States. a great quality, and I, it's, and, and I think right. Republicans yes. find that to be, you know, a very right. difficult and, thing. And I but here's, you for, you know, but here's the you here's the reality: it. to say the president doesn't care about the Ukraine Russia war is ridiculous. Well, is, is that he doesn't care about providing aid? He's the only president recently that has provided okay. uh, Kirsten, uh, military do you, aid. Do you think the president cares about the war because he's holding up aid 
for he, the way these investigations. If he cares about it, he cares about it less than he cares cares about the priority that he gave I, to I'm not, you know, I'm putting not into that. investigating um, uh, nothing that happened, basically, with Joe Biden that he thinks that happened. Yes, well, it's a fact, actually. But I think I think the idea, it's interesting to hear you say that you know, nobody should be shocked that the president only, you know, cares about himself above all else. I think we actually should remain shocked about that kind of behavior, especially in light of what we have witnessed over the last couple of days of people who are completely committed to serving their country yeah. and, and watching watching what the, what he has done to one of those women, you know, is is really reprehensible. And I don't think I'm really I just don't think it's OK for you to say that it's OK for the president to only care about himself when his job is to, is literally to stand up for the United States. That is his number one I job and his number one concern. Don't, don't, he cares I, about I himself he cares more than more, anything else. I, no, I didn't. I said he cares most about himself. It doesn't mean that he doesn't care about it's other things. Semantics. It's semantics. It, it was interesting to watch Marie uh, Ivanovich being questioned today uh, by a bunch of folks who, you know, they are serving the country in, in, uh, in Capitol Hill. But Marie Ivanovich has gone to numerous hardship postings. She served in Somalia. Exactly. Uh, I mean, I've spent a little bit of time there. And, and that is, you know, a really tough posting. And to have the president of the United States basically blame her for what has happened in Somalia is the most asinine thing I've ever heard. I mean, uh, I mean, you know, Somalia fell apart in 1992 after the, the fall of the regime and a famine. The idea that the president says, oh, well, look, look what happened to Somalia after Marie was there. I mean, what is that? A, I mean, this but is our she's, president. I mean, she's it's, a person. You know, I mean, that's the thing. He doesn't treat people like people like she is a person who dedicated her entire career to serving yeah. this country. I repeat one and, more time. He, I repeat and, one more time. I agree with 90 percent of what he does, 20 percent of what he says. And this is. One of just the eighty percent that I don't agree. I mean, that, that's essentially. Not, what no, look, it's, it's, I mean, we, we, this we, is this is why he's not at sixty percent popularity. We got to take a quick break. Uh, coming up next, how the president is reacting to the testimony about the phone conversation that uh, that you heard him say he knows nothing about. Later, more on Marie Yovanovitch's uh, day before the House Intelligence Committee and one of the lawmakers who was there for it. As we continue. President Trump and the White House are putting out a lot of fires uh, tonight, some of their own making when it comes to the Ukraine controversy. It began this morning when they released a rough transcript of a call between the president. Actually, it was more than a rough transcript. It was a pretty detailed transcript, much more so than the rough transcript that was later released on the other call. But they released a, uh, a transcript of a, the first call between the president uh, and uh, his Ukrainian counterpart, the president of Ukraine, that only undercut their defense of wanting to root out corruption because they claimed in the original readout, the White House said, oh, the president and the president of Ukraine talked about uh, corruption uh, and fighting corruption. That actually was not in the calls. So the White House basically made something up in the statement they had originally made. Later, President Trump attacked the witness in today's public hearing on Twitter, and even some Republicans criticized those remarks, some. And now this evening, it appears the man he made ambassador to the uh, EU has inadvertently given Democrats uh, what some would believe is firsthand evidence that Republicans until now said did not exist. Jim Acosta joins us now from the White House. So what is the White House saying about this, about Holmes' testimony? Yeah, Anderson, they are running out of fire extinguishers over at the White House this evening, no question about it. I, I will tell you that a White House official responded to this very damaging testimony that came out this evening uh, from that aide who says he overheard the president talking to Sunland about these investigations. Uh, and I, I won't go over because you've already gone over what was said during the call. 
Uh, but according to this White House official, uh, you know, this person was essentially pushing back on the importance of all of this, saying, what, what does this witness do besides essentially confirm what the president was talking about in his phone conversation with the president of Ukraine? And so, you know, the White House is still asking, where is the quid pro quo and all this? That is their perspective. Uh, but I will tell you, Anderson, there, there is a lot of consternation inside the White House this evening about what Gordon Sunland, the EU ambassador, did, apparently holding up this phone so other aides could hear at this lunch when the president was calling in and asking about these investigations, uh, according to a source familiar with conversations inside the White House. And this is a direct quote. Uh, the president speaks loudly. Sunland should know that. Uh, and so incredibly, there is some blame going around for Gordon Sunland. Uh, when it was the president who was speaking loudly enough that all of these people in a restaurant apparently could hear what he was saying. You can hear the bus backing up, getting ready to run over Gordon Sunland. Uh, the, the, president, the president who has, you know, often said that he has the best memory of anyone, his, he says he has no recollection of this call. This call was the day after he talked to, uh, you know, and asked for the favor from the president of Ukraine. So he says he has no recollection uh, I'm not sure how many times he gets a call in which he's told a foreign president loves his ass, um, but he seems to have forgotten this part of, of the call. Is the White House have any explanation of that? You know, at this point, they're they're sticking to what the president said a couple of days ago, that he doesn't recall having this conversation. Of course, that is the danger when the president says, I don't recall, I don't know. We've, we've listed a, a, a slew of situations where he has said this sort of thing and then been contradicted by the facts later on. Uh, you know, we've caught them red-handed from time to time. This is the danger that the White House is getting into, Anderson, as we're starting to get into this next week of public hearings. You're going to have people testifying presumably Gordon Sunland being one of them, Alexander Vindman being another, uh, to firsthand knowledge of this dirt for dollars scheme that was apparently going on with the administration that the president was apparently leading, if you uh, can believe what this aide said this evening about what he overheard in that phone call with the EU ambassador. Jim Acosta, appreciate it. Back now with our political and legal team. Um, Ellie, let me ask you just about sort of on the, on the legal front, what stands out to you? Yeah, so I see a couple potential crimes here. First of all, assuming the truth of this new allegation, which is, by the way, as Senator Santorum noted, it's entirely consistent with the July 25th transcript. I would argue in a damaging way, not in a let's forgive it way. But I see two specific federal crimes here. First of all, bribery. If a public official seeks a personal benefit in exchange for an official act, that is bribery. I think that's exactly what we have here. And second of all, forget about any exchange. It's a federal crime to solicit foreign election aid. Just a one-way ask of a foreign individual for something of value relating to an election or a campaign. So I see Senator Santorum is Senator just, ready, the to, Supreme ready to Supreme Court respond. said BS on information being of political value. The Supreme Court the did Supreme, not say, no, no, no. Yeah, it's, William it's, Barr said BS, it not is, the Supreme it's, Court. It's, Big difference. The reality is that that just is never going to hold water. And, and what's and Supreme to Court case? And to suggest that that asking for an investigation of a, a man getting $50,000 who had no qualifications for sitting on a board of an energy company that was created because of fraud in the first place and, and saying whether that should be investigated, that that has personal. The president is getting, getting nothing personal. Yeah, it's political. Well, and you're saying I have a quick response. A, ladies and gentlemen, there's a difference between getting personally rewarded financially and having political reward. Because if we're, saying, if we're saying that anybody who seeks to do something for political gain from, foreign, from a foreign exchange is committing bribery, then Joe Biden should go to so jail. So let me, let me ask because you Because you know what? There's, there, 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 there's just as much political gain that he now takes credit for 
the, and the Obama administration for, for getting all of these things have political gain. You have to look at whether there was personal gain. Okay. And just because you, there was direct political gain for the president is irrelevant. If Donald Trump asked Ukraine to give him a used van that he could use with his campaign, would that be a thing of value for his campaign? If he, of course it would. It, it, I, now, well, what's more valuable, that or opposition research did, on Joe Biden? He didn't have. Well, first off, he didn't ask for opposition research. He asked for. He asked for something better. Asked, You're right. Yes, better. He, he asked, asked for a criminal he asked investigation. For a legal investigation of corrupt uh, of corruption in Ukraine. That is a is that inconsistent what case with what corruption other than that? Has never been interested in. Does it? Okay. Yeah. So, so, oh, if only someone's interested in for for one thing, that that all of a sudden changes things. It tells you what no, the priority. Is, yeah, but it no, it doesn't. If he's, if he's really interested in corruption, he wouldn't a, get rid of the ambassador that's known for It was a legal request. Corruption. No, but if you're going to make the argument that he cares about corruption, he got rid of the ambassador that is known for fighting corruption. You know, there was the testimony today also was saying basically that it became very clear uh, to David Holmes that that they, they were making all this progress on anti-corruption, right. and yet they couldn't get the meeting with the White House. Right. And by it the became way, very clear the only right. thing that was going to get the meeting if this, was the dirt on If Biden. this is a legitimate investigation into corruption in Ukraine, uh, uh, which it means the Bidens, uh, that's something that you would want the U.S. embassy to be pushing as well. well I mean, the president, you know, has say over what the U.S. embassy in Ukraine does. Why is he having Rudy Giuliani, of all people, with shady business dealings going in, in Ukraine well, and all throughout and Eastern Europe, I mean, the answer, sulking the about with the you know with Lev and Igor, the, the answer uh, that, looking for the answer to that I think is clear, and that is he has he has some suspicion about the quote deep state within the right. State Department, but, but right, okay. his own people. Right, but, in, but you can roll right. your eyes and say I don't. No, no, I'm not that. rolling my eyes. That's I'm just a, saying that's it's, a legitimate. It's, that's right. that's but, how but, the president. But you're saying about. he's concerned about the deep state, and yet Lev and Igor and Giuliani. And all these corrupt Ukrainian officials who are now in the camp with Giuliani and Levin Igor, those he has no concerns about their validity. Yeah, but I'm, Ambassador Yovanovitch is the one who's suspect. I think, I think he wanted someone who could speak directly. And Rudy Giuliani, right. you can say Rudy Giuliani is corrupt. I don't think Rudy Giuliani. No, is I didn't corrupt. say he's corrupt. I, I, I mean, said Rudy you said Giuliani. You he's out there. You basically put him in with a den of thieves. I mean, so well, he's working with well, a den of thieves. The, yes, maybe. Well, yes, he, maybe he's no. choosing to work with a den of thieves. Uh, maybe you yes, not, maybe no. We don't know that. But we do know that he's walk. He's trying to get a visa for them. He's trying to get them into yeah. the United States. He's trying to get them on a Hannity. You wouldn't associate with these people. Well, I mean, I'm not the standard. OK, but well, uh, yes, I, 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 wish, being, I wish you were. I appreciate, I appreciate that, but yeah. I'm not the standard. Can I just say there, there's another important thing that I think someone said to the president, which is very damaging because he's trying to suck up to the president here. Let's be obvious. You know, they all love you and blah, blah, blah. He said about Zelensky, he will do anything you ask him to. He will do anything. What is that? What does that mean? He will do anything. Why? Because he loves you so much? No, not because he loves you so much, but because he needs what you are dangling in front of him so much, which is already congressionally approved military aid, which he should already have. That is why he we will gotta, do anything. We've got to get a break. Uh, we're going to dig deeper into uh, everything that we heard during today's public hearing, including the former ambassador who asked Congress, quote, how could you, our system fail truth, like this? We'll be right back. The whole truth and nothing but the truth. Before David Holmes gave his closed-door testimony, which ties President Trump directly to the alleged scheme to extort political favors from Ukraine, namely Ukrainian action that could help him win a second term, the halls were still ringing from what Marie Yovanovitch told lawmakers in public. 
This 33-year veteran of the Foreign Service detail, uh, detailed efforts by the president uh, and others to hollow out the State Department, in her opinion, and not just remove her from her post, which any president is entitled to do, but smear and intimidate her on top of that. As she was testifying, as you'll see in Jessica Schneider's report, the president tweeted uh, and did it again. We'll be right back. Here it is. The president is facing accusations he crossed the line, sending a tweet Democrats allege amounts to witness intimidation against career diplomat Marie Ivanovich as she testified on Capitol Hill. Mr. Ivanovich, uh, as we sit here testifying, the president is attacking you on Twitter. I, I mean, I can't speak to what the president is trying to do, but I think the effect is to be intimidating. Despite the White House saying the president would not watch the proceedings beyond Congressman Nunes' opening statement, the president sent this tweet an hour into the hearing. Everywhere Marie Ivanovich went turned bad. She started off in Somalia. How did that go? It is a U.S. president's absolute right to appoint ambassadors. Everywhere Marie Chairman Schiff read that tweet to Ivanovich, and Democrats warned that the president's online rant could prompt repercussions, including a new article of impeachment. Some of us here take witness intimidation very, very seriously. Yovanovitch recounted how she's felt threatened by the president and his associates before. A person who saw me actually reading the transcript said that the color drained from my face. I think I even had a physical reaction. Especially after the release of the July 25th phone call transcript between President Trump and Ukrainian President Zelensky. President Trump says <clears throat> the former ambassador from the United States, the woman, was bad news. And the people she was dealing with in the Ukraine were bad news. So I just want to let you know. What was your reaction when you heard the president of the United States refer to you as bad news? I couldn't believe it. I mean, again, shocked, appalled, devastated that um, the president of the United States would talk about any ambassador uh, like that um, to a foreign uh, head of state. And it was me. I mean, I couldn't believe it. What did you think when President Trump told President Zelensky and you read that you were going to go through some things? I didn't know what to think, um, but I was very concerned. What were you concerned about? She's going to go through some things. It didn't sound good. It sounded like a threat. Did you feel threatened? I did. Yovanovitch was ousted from her post as ambassador to Ukraine in May after a campaign to remove her that she says was led by Rudy Giuliani and his circulation of rumors that she was undermining the president. I do not understand Mr. Giuliani's motives for attacking me, nor can I offer an opinion on whether he believed the allegations he spread about me. And she was asked why she didn't get the support from her boss, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. In the face of this smear campaign, did colleagues at the State Department try to get a statement of support for you from Secretary Pompeo? Yes. Were they successful? No. Did you come to learn that they couldn't issue such a statement because they feared it would be undercut by the president? Yes. Yovanovitch then went point by point to rebut the allegations against her. I want to, re to reiterate first that the allegation that I disseminated a do-not-prosecute list was a fabrication. I did not tell Mr. Lutsenko or other Ukrainian officials who they should or should not prosecute. What I can say 
is that Mr. Giuliani should have known those claims were suspect, coming as they reportedly did from individuals with questionable motives and with reason to believe that their political and financial ambitions would be stymied by our anti-corruption policy in Ukraine. The former ambassador warning, it sends the wrong message to countries like Russia. Our Ukraine policy has been thrown into disarray and shady interests the world, the world over have learned how little it takes to remove an American ambassador who does not give them what they want. And as Yovanovitch's approximately six hours of testimony ended, people in the hearing room applauded the former ambassador who has spent 33 years in the Foreign Service. Jessica Schneider, CNN, Washington. And back with us, our political and, uh, and legal team. Kirsten, it was interesting to hear the ambassador today uh, essentially say that this sends a message to sort of shady characters in other countries that you can you can undermine and bring down a U- U.S. ambassador, uh, you know, if you know the right people and you and that is possible. Or make up lies about them. Right. I mean, I think that that I think that was one of the most important things that she said. I mean, there's there's the personal story of what happened to her personally, which I think is is pretty horrible. And then there's the foreign policy implications to it, which is that other governments can watch this and they can say, oh, we have an ambassador that's giving us a hard time, an ambassador who's trying to get us to stop being corrupt, for example, um, and we can launch a smear campaign and we can get them removed and that, that Donald Trump will be completely open to that. Right, with the conspiracy theory at the heart yeah, of it, which is... exactly. Uh, it, I mean, David, it, it, I, do you worry about the, the you know, I mean, it, the Foreign Service is, you know, the State Department is an important thing. You talk to military people, they will say, look, you know, the State Department is essential because uh, without them, it ends up the military are the ones Absolutely. that ends up being on the point. Uh, and, and General Mattis said, you know, if you don't if you don't send diplomats, I'll eventually have to send guns. Mm. Uh, and that, that's what the military does, strongly believes. And I don't think I think in the near term, it may not do as much damage in terms of because it's a particular case. But I do think that the hollowing out of the Foreign Service is serious. It's not just that people are leaving upon retirement. It is rather uh, that people that you went to college with, say, in New Haven, uh, you, you saw a lot of really fine, educated people who wanted to serve their country and went into the Foreign Service. It was something that was magnetic at an uh, earlier time in our history. And right now, the students I see, they're saying, I'm not doing that. Why would I ever put myself in that position where you're so vulnerable and you may be held up to cameras like this? You may have people like Rick going after me. Why would I do that? You know? And, and well, uh, well I, people I, like Rick going after you. Hold on a second. Let, that's let true. Me just, well, uh, uh, Rick, Rick Santorum in the past, and uh, I'll do it again tonight, has gone after the State Department on many occasions because I've had there many, many Republicans have had problems with the State Department bureaucracy for decades. President Bush had problems with the State Department bureaucracy. The reality is there's an entrenched bureaucracy over there that that has a very different point of view than most conservative positions on 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 national security. So so she should not be. What about about this ambassador? You did not hear me defend and nor will I defend what the president did here today. What about her? I don't. I mean, I, all I know is what she, I've read in the last she 24 hours. I, I, I don't know. Nobody I mean, I today. Question, nobody but today. I, I can tell you I've run into many, many problems over that department. Nobody today said the president was right to fire her. I didn't hear it. Did you hear it from any Republican today? Particularly, they said he, they, he, he has the right to fire. They said he has the right, but right. they didn't say he was right to do yeah, it. Yeah, no, that is they a big difference. Him. And, and the key about deep state and the and, and the problems with the State Department, I mean, Absolutely. That's that's not new. And that isn't just Republicans. It's 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 true of, of both parties. And it's not just the State Department. It's political people trying to deal with a, a, a an entrenched uh, government. Having said that, that is far different from 
what was on display today, which is a president of the United States peddling conspiracy theories that even his own top advisors have told him in private, don't do that. It is incorrect to say, for example, that the DNC server was in Ukraine. It's just not right. And you're going to be proven wrong and you're going to look bad. He can't help it. He did it anyway. And that is part of what he was asking for, asking for an investigation on things that are in the dark web that are totally debunked. That's how is that appropriate for a president? Who's a, so the president of the United States is a conspiracy theorist. Uh, and, and that is, you know, it was Bossert, wasn't it? Uh, Tom Bossert. Tom yeah. Bossert. He said it on air. He told me. Homeland Security. Right. Yeah. Who said that? They've told him. But Rudy Giuliani is whispering in his ear going, Ooh, well, and, and I, by the way, okay, for Rudy so Giuliani's right. own people financial have told him game. it's debunked, but other people have told him it's not. So so look, Wait, what kind of people? Some people are saying so, I mean, Rudy Giuliani would be one of them. <laughs> Exactly. Well, the problem. look, I mean, really, the, the idea that Rudy Giuliani is this huge conspiracy theorist that, that is well known for for uh, for unbalanced activity. I, I, I don't subscribe to that. And I don't think most Americans do. Uh, let's take a quick break. Just had a member of the, uh, the House Intelligence Committee will join us to talk about what stood out to him during today's testimony. There's going to be more testimony in the House impeachment inquiry tomorrow with the White House budget official testifying from the Office of Management and Budget. More major witnesses are expected in public next week. I want to talk about what we learned today, including what uh, well, whatever you can say about the closed door hearing that we reported on at the top of the broadcast. Congressman Sean Patrick Maloney, who sits on the Intelligence Committee. Congressman, thanks for being with us. Um, obviously, there's a lot you probably can't say, so uh, I'll leave you to that. But David Holmes, from all the reporting, confirmed uh, firsthand that he heard President Trump talking to Ambassador Sondland uh, about whether the Ukrainian president was going to be uh, doing the investigation. I'm wondering just overall how significant Holmes's testimony was. Well, it's one more piece of corroboration to the account of uh, other witnesses who who suggested that Sondland was at the heart of this. But of course, it's a major development. I mean, because uh, it took place right the day after the request, the, the favor was asked by the president to the Ukrainian president. That's exactly right. And of course, uh, the color around that, um, I've seen what's being reported about it. Uh, I know the testimony is still going on, so I am constrained in what I can say. But what I can tell you is that I, I view this as a major development. This is another very credible witness, a member of the Foreign Service, uh, who heard the president's voice with his own ears. Um, it was unmistakably clear what the president was focused on. And 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 that's just from Ambassador Taylor's account without going into what the testimony is going on right now. But what I can tell you is that there is increasingly little doubt about what the president was up to here. And uh, and of course, this is one more thing Ambassador Sondland neglected to recall um, in his multiple attempts to get his story right. So we're. We're, we are very interested in getting the full story out of Ambassador Sondland. Right. I mean, it, it is remarkable the, uh, that the ambassador testified under oath. Uh, had, there were a lot of things he said he didn't remember or didn't recall. Then when other people come forward and testify, his memory is, uh, is restored and he amends his testimony. Uh, and, and yet he still didn't mention this call. I'm not sure how many calls he had with the president, but I imagine in his life those are notable uh, notable uh, events. Will Holmes be called to testify? Do you think that is, will be necessary? You know, I don't believe that decision has been made yet. Um, and there's a standard about whether there's important information for the American public to see in, in a public forum. Look, we want the truth. And, and what is terrific about people like the extraordinary witness you saw today, Ambassador Yovanovitch, and before her, Ambassador Taylor, um, soon people like Lieutenant Colonel Vindman, and now an additional Foreign Service officer, 
is that these are career people who at risk to their own professional careers are stepping forward to do the right thing. And that is going to aid us in surrounding people like Ambassador Sondland with no opportunity but the right one, which is to tell the truth. And that's, by the way, why it was so important to do some of these depositions behind closed doors. So witnesses can't try to try to you know construct their testimony around what other people said. That's that's a well-worn investigative tactic. It's paying off. And now in public, people are seeing it for themselves. Uh, that's one of the things someone when he testified to the committee, he said, quote, I recall no discussions with any State Department or White House official about former Vice President Biden or his son, nor do I recall taking part in any effort to encourage an investigation uh, in, into the Biden. I mean, yeah, that's, the not, that's not wearing very well. Yeah. How I mean, is he a credible witness? You know, obviously, there are going to be questions about the credibility of a witness who has so much trouble recalling key facts in the investigation. Um, but I think in this case, a fair person looking at it, when you when you add up all of the other testimony, all of the other corroborating evidence, you're going to say that this is someone who was trying to minimize it first, who is now having the truth dragged out of him. We just want that truth. We just want him to tell what he knows. And it can the chips can fall where they may. By 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 the way, the State Department is sitting on a mountain of evidence. They have contemporaneous notes of all of these witnesses who've said they take notes. They've got emails and text messages, phone records, calendar entries. If they want objective evidence for who did what and what happened, they should release those facts. And, and you, they're not doing that. Of course, they're not doing it. They are resisting a subpoena uh, improperly. And you better believe if those documents and information helped the president, we would have heard about it. The um, the the uh, the idea that the president uh, was trying to intimidate Ambassador Yovanovitch, uh, Jim Jordan has said, well, it, it, it wasn't intimidation because he she wouldn't have known about it because she was testifying. Does that make any sense to you? You know, uh, look, it's it's easy to be flip about that. I actually think that's a really inappropriate remark for a member of Congress to make. I mean, I mean. I think these facts can get so absurd, you can lose some of your perspective on it. This is a person whose career has been ended by the machinations, uh, these grimy political interests and financial interests of people like President Trump and Rudy Giuliani. She's in here. She has been told to come back because they're worried about her security. And she's up here testifying truthfully, and she's treated to an intimidating tweet in real time by the president of the United States. I don't understand explaining that away. It's beneath the dignity of the office. It's outright witness intimidation. Uh, we should get clear on what's what's going on. It, it also, I mean, it seems to, even if she wouldn't have heard about it then, uh, it's also intimidating or, you know, sending a message to any other future witness who is going to be coming. Forward. Right. And of course, this is part of a pattern where where the witness uh, where where the whistleblower is threatened by the president, uh, you know, compared to, to spies and traitors. Uh, it suggested that should faith, uh, uh, you know, the penalty of death the way we used to in the old days is what he said. I mean, this president has a clear pattern of trying to of trying to spin and intimidate and 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 get in the way of the facts coming out. So if he's not guilty, he should stop acting like it. Yeah. Congressman Sean Patrick Maloney, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Um, we'll have more President Trump's reaction to the guilty verdict for Roger Stone. One of his longtime confidence. As the impeachment hearings were underway and the President Trump was tweeting about a witness while they were testifying, Roger Stone, one of President Trump's staunchest supporters, was found guilty of witness tampering, lying to Congress, and a series of related charges in a federal courtroom in Washington. 
Stone is the sixth associate of the president to have been convicted or to have pleaded guilty of crime since the president took office. The verdict uh, stems from testimony Stone gave to a House Intelligence Committee back in 2017 when it was investigating Russian interference in the 2016 election. Most memorably, Stone was arrested by FBI agents in a pre-dawn raid as the Mueller investigation wound down. In all, Stone was convicted on seven counts, which include witness tampering, obstruction of uh, congressional committee proceeding. President Trump wasted little time in reacting, quote, so now they convict Roger Stone of lying and want to jail him for many years to come. The president tweeted, well, what about crooked Hillary, Comey struck, Page, McCabe, Brennan, Clapper, Shifty Schiff, or and Nellie Steele and all the others, including even Mueller himself. Didn't they lie a double standard like never seen before in the history of our country? Of course, the they the president refers to is his own Department of Justice, whose prosecutors, in fact, asked the judge to remand Stone to jail immediately after the verdict. Stone was allowed to remain free. His sentencing will be in February. That's it for now. I'll be back 11 p.m. Eastern time tonight. Another live edition of 360. 360. Until then, slow news night. I'll hand it over to Chris Cuomo for primetime. Chris.